0: Welcome into another episode of Patrick Jones Baseball, where we find the best tools to build the best players. On this episode, we have Bobby Maggiannis. Bobby is currently the assistant MLB hitting coach for the 2021 World Series champion, Atlanta Braves. In this episode, Bobby and I get into a, a lot of different things. We talk about his own background. He began coaching in 2002. Um, in his first year as a coach in the major leagues was in 2021 and combining that his experience as a coach in the minors with his experience as a player he spent 31 years in the minor leagues as a player and as a coach before making it to the big leagues this past season quite quite impressive um, you know we get into you know, what he learned this past season in his first season in the major leagues we get into two strike approach. Um, learning from players, how to help players learn who they are um, at a young age, blocked versus random practice. I tried to ask them as many questions as, as I possibly could to those who sent in questions on Twitter. Um, and, and if you're not following me on Twitter, uh, make sure to, to head over there and follow at P. Jones Baseball, um, where, I, where I put out a lot of different content on this episode, on all the episodes in general. You know, one of the things that I also decided to do was to uh, make a a document um, to be able to help players and coaches who who may not necessarily want to get into very detailed oriented uh, internal internal cues or mechanics with players. And so, if you head to patrojonesbaseball.com slash hitting Um, there's a free pdf you just put your name and email in and it'll automatically send to you Um, and it's just four or five different ways on how to help players um, with their hitting without having to necessarily get into um, anything mechanical with them so patrickjonesbaseball.com slash hitting Um, and again it's just a few different ways that you're going to be able to help out the hitters that you're working with um, without having to you know Break down every swing that they take, which nobody needs necessarily or really wants to do because it's not efficient in a team setting. Ladies and gentlemen, here is my episode with Bobby Magianis. <laughs> All right, Bobby. I, I appreciate you coming on the show today. Uh, first off, congratulations on on winning the World Series. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> that's what everyone dreams about. So, just congrats, man. We appreciate you coming on the show.
1: Thanks, Pat. No, I appreciate that. That definitely was was uh, was fun and awesome.
0: So, I, I got the first question that I have for you. You've spent over 30 years in the minor leagues. This past season was your first season in the major leagues after spending 30 over 30 years in the minor leagues as a player and as a coach. If I went to Bobby back over 30 years ago and asked, hey, it's going to take you over 30 years to get to the major leagues, do you think you still would have continued on for the next 30 years?
1: It's a great
0: question because <coughs> there were so many
1: times I wanted to quit. But now that I think back, yes, I—I I mean, maybe back then I probably would have said, "Oh, heck, no! I got a family to support." You know, there's no way. But what I know now, obviously, with the experience and time, definitely, it, it was it was worth the wait. And I think during during all that time, Pat is we get formed. We're God's forming our, our ourselves, and and I needed that preparation. For a time like this and if it was five years ago i don't think i would have been ready 10 years ago i wouldn't have been ready Mm. Uh, so now i really feel that all that time was 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 a process of preparation to put me for a time like this right now at, at this time
0: why do you think you wouldn't have been ready five years ago or 10 years ago i think uh maturity wise
1: i don't think i was ready what the way the game is going now, with with uh, so much information analytics, I wasn't prepared five years ago. I was barely getting there, and now I feel like just confident in in myself as a as a coach, as a person, to be able to coach those major league players. And it's uh, you know, it it it's trust. And once they trust you, like okay, you know, it, you can tell them what what you want, and they'll they'll buy in. So I just feel like maybe, you know, five years ago, I wasn't there yet in terms of my maturity, in terms of the experience I have now and what I've learned in my knowledge. uh, I don't think I was prepared as I am right now.
0: You've, you've been around for a very long time, professional baseball, a lot of experience. Not every coach has tons of experience. Where do, why do you, if you do, like, I'm sure you do because it is so important how do you feel all your experience in professional baseball is, ab- you're, is able to help you when you're working with players? Like, of all the things you've learned, I assume that, you know, you pick up little stuff along the way. Like, how do you feel that that's been able to just mold you and help you as a coach with all the experience you've had?
1: Well, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I got experience as a player, played 12 years professionally, all in the minor leagues, uh, over 20 as a coach now. But you see a lot of things and then you learn that's the thing is that we're learners. So the more experience we have, the more we learn. I mean, those, those coaches who just stay the same, you know, they, you know, they get weeded out and we got to keep evolving. We got to keep learning. And, and I consider myself a learner, but yeah, I mean, it's to me, it's like, you know, if you want to go with somebody uh, that studied a lot, which is great, you know, just got a, a degree in whatever, let's say a doctor, you go to a doctor and, and wants to perform surgery on something on you. And you know what, it's like, hey, man, I just graduated. I've never performed surgery. This will be my first surgery. But then you have someone who didn't study, but has 20 years of doing that surgery and has been successful. I mean, who do you pick? And, and that's kind of like the way I look at it. It's uh, again, this, I mean, knowledge with experience is incredible. That's where you get the knowledge, and then you got the experience. You're you going to a very good person to go to get coached by. So that that's how I look at the experience part of it.
0: Is that one of the reasons why you ended up getting your your master's degree in performance psychology?
1: Yes, I, I. I this was a probably about five years ago. I'll, I'll give you a quick quick testimony. So I managed in minor leagues a lot of years. And I had a player named Freddie Sandoval, who now is a mental skills coach, uh performance coach. He's he's a great uh he got he played a little bit in the big leagues. And uh I managed him in A-ball and I managed him in double A. And once he got he retired, he was Bobby, he was he was. we need to get educated. He ended up getting his education. Uh he's from Mexico, actually, born and raised in Mexico. And he told me, Bobby, we need to get educated. So he went to get his degree. He was Bobby, if we don't get our degree, he was, he was, we're not really going anywhere. And And he kind of and I was like, no, man, you know, all these years I got of experience, that's my degree. My 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 Ph.D. is all the years I've had on the field. Well, it's not working that way. And so I went back and got my bachelor's, first of all, in in uh, in management. So it was all on leadership. Once I got that, I go, you know what? It was in 2015. I was with the Cleveland Indians and they're big on growth mindset. They're big on 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 learning and, and you growing. And there was an opportunity to get a degree with them and i asked them hey man i'd like to get a degree it's okay and why i go i like performance psychology well why do you want to be a mental skills coach I said, no i just wanted to improve me as a coach and they went in and said okay let's let's help you out with that so you know I, I credit the cleveland indians for helping me get my degree and i ended up getting a master's in performance psychology and that took me to another level as a coach because not only the mental part of it but a part of, of performance psychology as we learn is, is more skill learning. And that's huge as you know in hitting and, and in any action any sport but so that's a thing we got to keep getting educated and i felt like all everything i learned as a player and as a coach and now combine it with with education it i felt it took me to another level
0: what, what were like what are some of the things that you learned that you've applied when working with hitters from from getting that psychology degree
1: well uh the well, there's different things. So, from the mental part of it, is is you know just a lot of how to control the, the 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 thoughts. You know, I I had coaches tell when I was playing, "Hey, don't think so much." Well, we can't because you know we're. I think there's like forty 000 to eighty thousand thoughts that go through our minds a day. So, there's no way someone can tell you don't think because you're always thinking. The thing is, what is it you're thinking? That's what we got to. We have to be mindful. So, mindfulness is something I've learned, and I try to. Help our guys, like let's be mindful of your thoughts, what's going through your thoughts. Uh, so that's helped me out with it. Uh, and then on the more skill learning part of it, it's it's how we learn. Like, how is it that our brain tells our body what to do? How is how do we learn that way to to to, to transfer that skill into a game? And I end up learning there's a thing called block practice and random practice. So actually I did my my uh uh one of my papers on that, on, on that and uh, on block versus random practice. And, uh, it you know, the random practice is, is is the best type of practice to transfer your skill to the game.
0: Okay, this is perfect because I want to ask you about this, being that, you know, you're coaching in the major leagues with the best hitters in the world, bringing up block versus random practice. And then, you know, I, I've had experience, and I'm sure you have too, working with younger players. Where Where's the line between blocked and random? Because you see – and there's certain major league players who swear by they they need to get their block practice in. They want to slow the game down. They don't want to be challenged twenty four seven in random practice. So how do you go about making sure that you know certain guys get random and then certain other guys get blocked?
1: Well, it so block is where you're doing one thing over and over again. So if to me you you there's both there's a time for block. So actually you know, majorly, even majorly hitters, usually block is for novice learners. So you're trying to just get them to do something first before, because you don't want to all of a sudden put in chaos because they're not ready for that. But if you're working on a certain move, that's where the block comes in. Let's say you're working on on, on, on getting into his rear hip. Let's say you're working on getting his elbow underneath that bat. Whatever it is, you know what, uh, he's losing this. So let's work on it. So we're going to do block on that, just again, the feel of that move. After you do that, once they get it, okay, now let's mix some, some randomness in it. Let's let's get some velo. Let us even if I flip them, I do random. Like when I flip to guys, I flip to all the quadrants. I, I'm not flipping them right there. I'll change speeds and all that. Even though it's easy, it's still random because I'm not throwing it to the same spot in the same speed every time. Because that's where it's going to be in the game. So, but some guys don't like that because they don't like getting challenged. Like I said. But here's the thing. There's certain guys who, who do really well with, with block. It's like they, they just, they're, they're good game players. And as you know, that uh, there are certain guys who don't, are not good at practice. They're bad, but they're great game players. And so they they don't like getting challenged because they want to feel good. And, and that's fine. If they have success, the bottom line is the game. The game is the bottom line. What are you doing in the game? No one's ever made it to the Baileys of being a good practice player. No one's been in the starting lineup because he was a good practice player. It's because they do well in the game, so the game is the bottom line.
0: hundred percent agree with that i i think uh the the thing that I've seen anyway is the difference between like the the best of the best and then like kind of like the the lower tier is how they handle failure right like when they struggle how long they struggle for because everyone will struggle is determined by how they do accept that failure how do you go about helping players with with dealing with failure
1: and so yeah you're always going to do that i it's it's again it's mindful how are you looking at it? it's how you perceive it so i don't believe in losing or failure i believe in you either win or you learn but you don't lose I believe that you either have success or you learn, you don't fail. So I try to change their mindset. Okay, let's look at it differently. It's how you, if you think you're failing, you're you're gonna be dilled down on yourself. But hey, let's we're learning right now. Okay, I'm glad you went through this period. I'm glad you're going through what's going on right now. What are we learning from it? Is it actual mechanical? Is it more of a mindset? Where is it? Why are we, why are we having right now not the success that you that you've had before? So that's where we're trying, you know, me personally, I try to just change the way they look and perceive things to where they can calm themselves down and look at it for more of the long run. Because it, it is, as, as you know, in pro ball, it's it's a long season. And, man, there's so many ups and downs. It's just you just got to ride the course out. But it, to me, it's uh, with those players that end up having uh, those, uh, those slumps that get prolonged, I think the reason why they get prolonged is because of their mindset. It, and that's the thing is like the longer they, they go, if they go really long, it's because of their mindset, They it snowballs on them. So I try to help them with, their, with the way they think, the way they perceive things. So where it's not getting prolonged, even if it does, they're still feeling good about themselves. They're coming in, hey, I'm in the process. I'm not there yet, but I'm in the process. You know, this, this will pass. I got to keep going on, and I got to compete. That's another thing too, is go compete because you're not always going to feel good.
0: You know, one of the things that I heard, I was listening to another podcast a couple days ago, it wasn't even in baseball, Um, it was actually just an education podcast. And they said, you know, fail stands for first attempt in learning, which I thought Mm -hmm. was pretty cool. And I, yeah, yeah. and I I definitely agree with that. You know, what, how do you, how do you go about trying to help players? Because I'm sure you've had a lot of these, of these guys who they overthink, they overanalyze, they're so hard on themselves. They take a couple of bad swings in the cage and like their body language becomes terrible. It's like, man, like, how, how do you go about trying to help those type of players? Because they're, I mean, everyone has those. Yeah.
1: It, it, it's a lot of it has to do with their personality types too. So you got guys who, who they call themselves perfectionists and, you know, we have those players and say, okay, you know, I've, I got a couple of those guys and, and it's like, okay, Hey, well, I'm a perfectionist. You know, I'm always, you know, want to be perfect. And then I, my question, I go, okay, so what do you do? That's perfect. And see nothing. Okay. So you're not a perfectionist. So you can, <laughs> uh, so it's like you do nothing perfect. So how can you say you're a perfectionist? So let's, let's embrace this failure. Let's embrace what your struggle, let's embrace that. And then let's go forward from that. Cause it's the process you gotta, you gotta grind that out. And so those guys are like that. That's their personality, a lot of it. And they're really hard because they're so competitive. I mean, they, they want, they want to win at all costs and they want to have success. And it's, again, it's, it's trying to, to make it number one, even when they're doing something, make it fun as much as you can play a game in the cage with them. You know, where they're, they're not even thinking about something, just like, you know, uh, you know, target practice. Okay. You know what, let's see. Okay. Now we're going to go to that target. You know, Now we're going to do this. Um, but there's many ways to kind of go about it. You know, I, I know one of the things I've done in the past, I got this game called Powerball. And, and I go, OK, when, I do it when, when our team's starting to really think too much. We're struggling. And you can just tell that, you know, they're they're freezing up at the plate too tight, too much tightness. And I go, OK, so now we're going to hit doubles and home runs from the le- uh, pull gap all the way o- oppo and then uh, from righty and lefty. And doubles and home runs for points, and now they have to let it go. There's no more working on anything. It's like okay, doubles a a point, a two points. Excuse me, doubles one point, homers two. And I've noticed that that game they love it because they're competing. But it's like, oh my god, now they're letting it go and let being loose. Where now it's like I'm not thinking about it. So you kind of gotta be creative. That's just one of the things I've done in the past. You want to be creative to where you're trying to get it to where they're not thinking so much, where it's just letting the natural talent let go because it's okay to pop it up. It's okay. Go be free, freed up, you know, because a lot of times we can overcoach this thing and it, and it can snowball.
0: How do you go about being careful of not trying to overcoach or being careful with the, the language that you use and terminology that you use with the players?
1: And it's, it's the relationship. Number one it's building the relationship with the guys is, is backing off, not coming up right away. I, when I first meet a player or a guy, a coach, if I've never met him before, I don't know him. I'm in the cage. I just start talking. How you doing, man? Get to know them where they're from, what they do, what they like. I don't say anything with their swing. I'm just, I let them go. Even if they start struggling, Hey, you'll be okay. Cause I want to get to know them. I want to get to know them what they think, how, what what's their learning style uh how their their personality and and by talking and listening more than anything listening that that that's another thing when i told you earlier about being me being prepared and experienced i've I've become a better a better listener and because i would always want to talk and fix things my my natural instinct is to want to fix something and it's like no man it's like listen and listen to their heart that's the main thing validate their feelings. What are they feeling? And it's valid. Okay. Yeah. You know, I would, I would feel that way too if I were you. Um, so once they know that you're buying in and that, that uh, you're, you're, you love them and, and you care for them, that's when I'll start seeing something. Maybe I'll suggest something. Or hey, if you need something, I'm here. Uh, that's you build a relationship first um, with them. And another thing too is, is the, as like you said about, okay, the language. If I got 14 hitters or 12, whatever it is the hitters I have on a team, they all speak different languages. So I got to speak 12 to 14 different languages because it's not about me. I've, I've heard it in, in organizations where they say, well, we got to speak the same language. You know, we, it's like, it's, they make it about the coach. They make it about the organization. Well, we got to speak like this, our language is this. Well, wait a minute. It's not about our language. It's their language. Mm. How do I get it through to them where they understand? It's not about me. You know, uh, our hitting coordinator, Mike Brumley, he's phenomenal. He's great at that. And, uh, you know, he knows how to get to know a guy. I'll give you an example. Uh, Austin Riley, he's a, a hunter and fisherman. He loves to hunt fish. So it's like when he's doing something, you know, if his back elbow starts to rise too much, okay, So when you're going hunting and, and, you know, when you hunt, you're, you're the rifle and you're, you know, let's say you're going duck hunting, all of a sudden you you shoot the rifle, but, you keep going this way. Cause if you just go there, you're going to miss it. So that's when you want to have a guy stay through the ball longer. That's how I connected with that guy because he was a hunter. So I'm trying to use what he does, you know, it's like, okay. So, Oh, so I'm like, yeah. So now he knows like, Oh honey. And all of a sudden, bam, like, Oh my God, click. So I've got to be creative. Like, okay, what does he do if it's a golfer? Okay. You know what? How do you hit your fade? You know, I like, Oh, pretend you're hitting that fade off some, bam, it goes like, Oh, things that click, you know, Danzy Swanson is a, is a basketball guy. He was an all everything basketball high school guy. So, okay, Danzy, when you come off a pick and you're going to do a jump shot, which is your best side? Oh, I was better shooter from this side. Okay. And you're coming off the pick, get to that position. You're going to shoot. All of a sudden like, Oh, there you go. That's the athletic position. So pretend you're doing that jump shot off the pick. And then I flip them and bam, there it goes. So that's what I'm saying. It's like, you got to get to know the player. Before you you start you know tell what's well, gotta be my longest no it's gotta be theirs. So mm.
0: yeah. Bobby, I'm so happy you brought that up because you hear that all the time, right? Where it's like there it needs to be one message from top to bottom, like it needs to be the the same. Where you know whatever whatever it may be, you know, we do launch angle or whatever it is. It's it's refreshing to hear you say that, and it's I guess in a sense it's not surprising I me. Mean, you guys just won the World Series, and you guys are kind of thinking about it, doing it more individualized for the player and not just to say like, hey, everyone's on the exact same page. Yeah, I'm sure you guys are on the same page, but you're you're going about it in a little bit different way. You know what?
1: Uh, This is what I've heard. Players, hitters that we've gotten in trades or free agents have come to us that had bad years. They come here and they get better. It's like, what happened? I mean, and quickly. It's not like, no, it's like right instantly – have success and that brings the 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 hitting department. You know, with Kevin Saiters, the, the the main hitting coach. You got uh uh, uh Nachi Castro is is this other assistant hitting coach, and myself. It's like you know we work as a team, and 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 I hear players even their comments. So I go, man, he's, I've never been around a group of hitting guys that are like this. It's like incredible. It's refreshing, and it's like we have a little bit of everything. You know, we have old school, we have analytics, and we have uh, you know other things. It's like we, we mix it together to where we get the best plan for that player. And, and, and you're right. It's like, you know, they have success. It's like, okay. Cause number one, it's about the player. It's not about us. So when we make it about us, then the player is not going to buy in, but they know we care about them. They know that, Hey, we're doing a plan for you specifically for you, not for us, not for, you know, for anything, but what is going to be the best thing for you to have success? And, and I'm, I research things. I'm a researcher. Like I said earlier, I'm a learner. I'm a lifelong learner. So I research things. I'm always in the video room. I'm trying to get the video, see where it's at, see where the problems at, compare videos when the guy was doing well. Uh, seeing uh, uh the, the opposing pitch or how they're gonna attack him. Okay, you know what, this is gonna be the plan for you for today because this is what you're doing, and your swings like this right now, and it's okay. I know there's some issues, but we got to compete today. So this is gonna be the plan for you for today, and and they love that. So it, it's about the player.
0: What are your thoughts on, and this is something that, you know, you being a a researcher, you know, I'm I'm sure you've seen with, you know, motor learning, skill acquisition, they they talk about how the T shouldn't be utilized um, as much in baseball, especially at higher levels, because it's, uh, it's, it's not challenging at all. What are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, yeah, I use a T. I mean, uh, not not with everybody, but yeah, to to me, the T is more for contact point. Okay. Where's the contact point? Uh You know, I, I actually I, I did the the, the tee with a couple of our guys in the playoffs and the World Series where I put the tee deep, and the reason why is because they were really getting out front. They were pushing the hands, were put they were pu- they're they pushing the knob, and there's nothing behind the ball. I mean, they, they they were late on the fastball getting jammed and so far and I'll see they they couldn't stop. So I wanted them to come more from behind, get some more bat like So I put the tee really deep to get them to feel the contact point a little bit deeper, and actually one of our guys goes opposite field right after you did same game when we first did it uh so it those are things that that i do for the t it's more for contact point for me but yeah of course you're, it, it is blocked the t is blocked but here let me tell you about how you can use random in, in alpha t is you don't let them swing at the same spot every time so when i do t work with put it where okay let's put it away Boom. They hit it. The next one, I move it in. Boom. They hit it. The next one, I put it down right away. Boom. Now, I just keep moving the tee after every swing. It takes longer, but it's randomness because that's the way it is in the game. It's never in the same spot. And you, a lot of guys want to go, okay, yeah, they miss hit it. No, hold on. Do it again. No, let's go to the next one. Don't worry about it. Cause that's more to skill learning. We don't learn. We don't learn it in terms of the way the game is going to be because the game is random and very difficult in the game. You don't get another shot at that same pitch. So it's like, move on. That way your brain's like, Hey, I got to make the adjustment quickly. Cause it's, if you just keep ingraining a groove swing in the same spot, all of a sudden the game, they start moving it on you. You can't adjust.
0: So most of the players on the, on your guys' team, you utilize the T that you've seen.
1: Yeah. Again. Yeah. There's guys who are T guys. I mean, not all of them. Again, they all have their routines. They all have what works from what they like. Um, uh, again, not all do the T, but yeah, we, we got guys who use the T and, and uh, uh, it works for them again. And, and they're very pro, you know, they, they know what they need. They, they, they know what they need to do. They, especially once they get into those routines where they're so good
0: about, about what they're doing, you know, they, the T, the they, they know where to put it. What's something that you've, um, you've done your entire career and you will continue to do? for the rest of your career that you believe in and the analytics haven't changed, all of your research hasn't changed it, but you will continue to do it forever as a coach.
1: It's building relationships to me. It's, it's getting to know the player. To me, it's, it's about people. If it's one skill, then I believe that every coach if It's one thing, one thing I say being an expert is it's people skills for me, it's the number one thing you can know all about mechanics and swings and 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 all of these analytics and and using all of these tech technological tools, which there's so many out there. and yeah, they 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 bring up numbers and what you're seeing, and it's great. I, I use those things I, I I like to read them because it's like it's it, like, okay, here's where the issues at. But the point is is that. People, it's oh, it's a cliche. It's an old saying. People don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. It's like you people will buy in when you know you care about them. And example, I'll give you, ask you a question. I mean, who, like a teacher when you were a kid. What teachers the ones you remember the most? Who are the ones you remember the most? It's probably the ones that cared about you, not the ones that were that taught you math, that taught you how to write. Really, there's some really good teachers at that. The ones that we remember the most are the ones who cared about us. That they made us feel so good. It's like I remember those teachers from elementary school. Like, man, Mrs. You know Johnson, she was, I mean, phenomenal. She always, hey, Bobby, how you doing today? Or you know what? Well, she'd come and give me a cookie. Or like, you know, she seemed, oh, you okay? You okay, Bobby? You know, you look sad. Everything okay at home? It's like those are the ones you remember the most. Or like, they'll they'll applaud you if you did well. And I mean, that's who you remember. Even my coaches. The coaches I remember aren't the ones who taught me the most; it's the ones who made me feel the greatest. That said, they believed in me, that made me feel great. Those who I remember the most. So to me, it's people skills. Because again, there's a lot of good coaches that have knowledge, uh, that know how to teach, but without the people skills, you don't get buy-in.
0: Yeah, for me, it was uh, Lisa Newbauer. She's—I don't know—I don't think she'd be listening to a, a baseball podcast, but if she is, uh, Mrs. Newbauer, you're the best. Third grade. <laughs> Yeah. So awesome. That's cool. um, Two strike hitting. I, I want, I want to talk about this because it's, you see strikeouts. Everyone's mad about strikeouts across baseball at all levels. What, what are your thoughts on two, on the two strike approach? Well,
1: it, to me, it all depends on the hitter and also on the pitcher. So, I'll give an example. People say, "Okay, once you get two strikes, choke up, spread out, get up on the plate." Well, if that's for everybody, then you're know, cookie cutting because everyone's different. Because there's some guys who are naturally good two-strike guys or some who are not. You know, but to me, it's it depends on the pitcher. I'll give an example. So I like to know whenever I, I do the the, the game uh, uh, planning for the game, I want to know what a guy does with two strikes. Opposing pitcher, does he expand? So now if I'm seeing that the guy, once he gets to two strikes, I see the heat map where he's expanding, where all the red is out of the zone. I'm like, going, wait a minute. Hold on. We're going to keyhole him. And sometimes I'll tell guys, hey, guys, once you get two strikes, 0-2, keyhole him. It's going to be a two-zero-three-one one count and keyhole him right down the middle on 0-2 count. And all of a sudden, before you know it, we're back on the 3-2 count because we're keyhole him. Because if I tell a guy, hey, with two strikes, expand your zone and he's expanding, I'm struggling. it's bad. And, and now in the game today, you if you just put the ball in play, you're out. You know, it we we saw that a couple, I mean, a few quite a few times in the postseason against us where teams were just trying to put balls in play and we're getting double plays right out of the inning. And we're like going great. Thank you. Like sometimes a strikeout's better than, than putting the ball play double play. I mean, you again, that's why you can't just say you can't cookie cut and be okay, this is what we're going to do. Everyone, like everyone's different. You got to go by what's going to be the best approach with two strikes for, for that hitter and against that pitcher. So that's my take on it. It, it it's individualized.
0: It got to take the pitcher into consideration and 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 go from there. What about the shift? I mean, do you guys uh you know someone's shifting on one of your hitters? Are you is there a plan to try to combat that or is it hey just keep doing what you're doing?
1: Yeah, well, again, the shift is can the guy do it? Because a lot of times guys will manipulate their swings and, and they're missing their pitch, they foul pitches off, they foul pitches off, and you're like, wow, man, this is a guy who's got 30 home runs. And you know, we end up having four silver sluggers yesterday, you know, uh getting silver slugger awards, and you know, one was a pitcher. But you know, when you got guys who slug, uh and you want him to, to manipulate the swing, the other team's going, thank you. A lot of times you manipulate a swing and you miss your pitch, you're, you're an out. Again, if you can do that, great. I mean, it's like, why not? It's mission with the guy in scoring position, guy at second, guy at third, you can beat that shift great, but it is so it, 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 it is so tough nowadays uh, with the pitching, with the movement. You got guys throwing upper 90s to low 100s with movement. And the induced vertical break, and you have a horizontal break, and it's 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 crazy. It's like go ahead, and you're trying to beat the shift. All I mean, guys would come in going, "Hey man, you know, there's a big hole out there," and they go, "Mags, I'm just trying to make contact." You're like, <laughs> shoot, go ahead, see if you can put a ball and play in a certain spot with that movement and that at that velo. It's tough. So they're right. It's it's hard. It's so much easier said than done. And you can practice all you want. But once you get in there, it's tough because you're going to foul pitches off that you should crush them because you're trying to beat the ship. And if you can do it, great.
0: It seemed like when I was watching you guys, you guys just, the at bats that you guys would put together in the playoffs were so competitive. And, and like, guys were just grinding out at bats. Is that just a, a philosophy that? that you would preach to them or what, like, how did, I mean, it's, it was different than what I saw from other teams.
1: The, the, I credit the, the, our department that, that gives us all the uh, information on the posing uh, posing of pitchers. Uh, and, and we, we give them a plan, you know, like, okay, well, what's our approach and what's the plan against this, this pitcher, and not only to starter but also the relievers, how are we going to game plan them? And, and again, it's, it's, it's ingrained. It's like, we're, we're going to battle. We're going to grind at bats out. And, and you said something about competitive. That's the thing, you know, we were talking earlier about, Hey, how about guys who are really domed up? It's like, Hey, you got to go compete because you're not always going to have your ace one. I mean, you that's, that's why analytics only sees numbers, but it doesn't take the human factor. Hey, did he have a good night's sleep that night? Does he have personal problems? Does he have personal issues at home? Uh, does he have an injury? Is he sick? What all the stuff that's going on, it's like no one sees that. So you got to take the human element into it. So you're not always going to have your best swing. You got to go compete. And that's the thing we forget about that. So when I'm in the batter's box, I'm competing. It's, it's a picture against me. We're going to take our guns out, shoot them at each other and see who's, who's left standing. We got to go about it that way. Because in, in the course of a long season, you can count in your hands all the days you felt great playing that. day. It doesn't happen very few, so you're just not, you're just you know gonna give up that day. No, you're gonna go compete still. So getting get to that competitive at bats is the biggest biggest thing for me. You gotta compete, and our guys were phenomenal with that. They, you're right, they grinded at bats out, took some tough pitches, fouled off tough pitches, and before you know it, man. You know, the a hit, hit mistake, you know, uh, uh, one of the uh, plans and approaches is, hey, fight off the with two strikes, fight, fight off the tough pitches and hit a mistake. It's like I'm just trying to foul off those tough pitches because if he hits
0: it, makes a mistake with two, I'm on go. What do you mainly focus on during the game? What, what do you
1: mean by that? So
0: like as a hitting coach, right? I mean, what are you, what are you mainly doing during the game? I mean, there's, there's pitchers coming in. There's, you know, you got guys in the hole. Are you prepping those guys? Are you, um, you know, taking notes on certain things that you're seeing? I know you can't get into like exact specifics, but like, what, what would you say the majority of the time during the game that like, you're focused on you're doing?
1: Okay. Well, me personally, I'm being nationally League. You know, we pinch hit a lot, obviously, with nationally. So I'm in the cage a majority of the day. I'm in there getting the, the pinchers ready. But in the cage, we have all that information. We have the report on the opposing uh, pitcher, not only the starter, but the relievers. We have video on them. Um, so when the guys come in, <coughs> it's like, hey, <coughs> you, might, you might face this pitcher right now if he comes in. Uh, Walt Weiss, our bench coach, does a great job. He's phenomenal. He – he prepares those guys great because he'll come down all the time to the case and say, Hey, you know, whoever it is, hey, uh, the pitcher spots fifth. You know, he, you know, you might come in right here. Uh, if it's bases loaded, it might be you. If there's no one on base, it might be you. If the lefty comes in, it will go here. If, if the righty stays, but you know what, another thing too, it might be where you know what, if our pitcher can't get out of this inning, we might double switch. So all that stuff goes in. There's so much. And so when I'm in there, I'm hearing him out. I like, okay, well, what do you think? Well, we're thinking this. Now what I do is like, and I got a printout of of, of, of stuff on pictures. I go, hey, man, you know, this guy's throwing this. You know what? hitter will go, you know what? Can you, can you uh, set up the slider machine? Because this guy's got a pretty good slider. That That's his go-to pitch with the guy in scoring position. I might come up in this situation. So we put that. You know what? Give me the left-handed curveball. He's got a slow curveball. You know what? Give me some velo. He's got – Real, you know, plus ride on this fastball with great extension, all that. It's so that's how we prepare those pinch hitters. And in and, and in a game, in an end game, same thing. Like they'll come in, they'll watch what the pitcher does. Hey, you know what? Watching the video, you know, it was just a bad pitch. So, you know, it's like first thing I ask is like, okay, when they ask me, hey, what'd you see? I go, okay. Remember, what are you thinking about? And after that, was it a strike? Because if it wasn't a strike, now I tell them, don't, don't come ask me what I saw if it was a bad pitch you swung at. So we're trying to stay in the zone, in our zone to hit. So yeah, that's how we prepare guys. It's like, we just, you know, we keep it simple too. It's like, we're not going to give them all. It's just real little quick cues. Again, it goes back to getting to know the guy. It's like, every guy's different. His cue can be this, his cue is that, his cue is that.
0: It's just little quick cues to help him get back. Is is timing something that you guys talk about too, or you, you work with? Absolutely.
1: Players? Timing yeah. is huge. I mean, timing is yeah. I mean, you're not on time. The swing breaks down. I mean, you're not on time. It's you're rushed. You're late. Everything's forced. Uh, and, and and you can be early. I mean, off time is also being early. You can be way early and, and, and it's, it's not good. Uh, so, you know, that, that's the thing is like the, the timing is huge and, and every, you know, every guy's different too. Speaking on timing, you know, again, as I've learned for all the years as a hitting coach, it's like, okay, timing where? Where is he on time? And where is he late? Is he late, you know, getting his, his front foot going? Is he late getting loaded? Is he late with his hands? Is he late with the bath? Is he late getting to, to launch? Where is the t- where is he late? Because a lot of times you can start on time with that front foot, but all of a sudden this thing's late here, or it's, you're not getting it to where, you know, to that fire position. And I, I said, we had a couple of guys who were not, I mean, they were on time. I'm watching they're on time, but right when their front foot landed, this wasn't ready. This wasn't. Mm-hmm. This was off maybe that way or that way. and It's like we had to get him, hey, man, this is where the issue's at. He goes, man, because I'm starting on time. You're starting on time, but the hands aren't ready when it's ready to fire. So it's like, where is the timing? Where is he laid out? Uh, and a lot of it, too, can be mental, too. That can hinder your timing when you're thinking way too much, and everything's tight, slow. It, it just doesn't, you know, or too quick. So, yeah, it, there's so many issues involved in that. But when the timing's off, it breaks everything down.
0: One of the drills that uh, one of the players I had this past year um, said that helped him. And I don't know if you've done this or heard about this one, too, is he we would set up a slider machine and he would purposely swing and miss on the slider machine to be. And because you're so ingrained to always try to hit the ball. And so whenever you're trying to try to hit it, you don't know exactly where your barrel and body is at in space, Mm -hmm. but when you purposely try to swing and miss, you now know where everything you kind of Mm -hmm. have a better understanding of where you're at. um, Your body's at in space and your barrel is at and the contact point is too, where you're missing at. Um, So that was something that I thought was, was pretty interesting. We did that a few times with this player and I thought that helped. Um, I don't know if you had heard of that one or not before.
1: I haven't, but. I'm, I'm all for it, man. I, I'm all for whatever works for a guy. And that's, I'm glad you shared that because think about it. It, it was individual. It came from that player. So that works for him. Yeah, And that's, I credit you for being open to that player. It's like, Oh, maybe this works for him. You know, everyone, cause it's so individualized. Everyone learns different, how they do things and, and it probably worked for that guy. And so I credit you on that, that, you know, you were open and you let it be where he took ownership of that. He you well, let me try this. And, and again, if it works, it's like, that's what we're looking for.
0: I think that the, the best ideas honestly come from the players. Like I've learned so much just from listening, interacting, like overhearing their conversations with each other about hitting from them. Like, I think we always talk about like continued education. I think it for me, the biggest parts probably just from the players. You know,
1: um, you, you hit it right on the nose. I, I tell the players that I go, guys, I learned from you guys. This is, we're learning from you because you're the ones doing it. And that's how we learn. We're learning from your swing, what you're talking about, what you're thinking. It's like, oh, and, and I write my notes down. I had to write a paper uh, in my master's program on confidence. I was with the Indians at the time. And so I went around uh, the uh, couple of the guys in Big League Camp. And I interviewed him. I said, Hey, I'm writing a paper on, on this. And they "Oh yeah, Max, what do you, can you give me a couple minutes? Yeah. So I just want to get intake on like confidence. So I went around and, and, uh, I asked, um, Yonder Alonzo, he was with us. I said, hey, Yonder, how do you get when you're, when you start struggling, when you feel your confidence now, how do you do it to get it back? He goes, well, he was, I prepare. He was, so I get my confidence from my preparation. I said, oh, okay, good. Sorry, I broke that down." And then, um, uh i I went to roberto perez you know who's catching and he goes you know max he was was, when i start feeling my confidence down he goes i was a late round pick i was never a prospect he goes, so i have a chip on my shoulder so when i start feeling like my time i'm going to prove to them so it was like so he has that like okay i wrote that and then the the last guy i talked to was uh francisco lindor i said frankie what what when you start losing your confidence what do you do and he goes you know max he goes, when i start feeling like that he goes, when i'm on the on-deck circle I replay all the at bats in which the fans went wow. Mm. So I'm like wow. So here you got, I you know I read a couple other guys, but those three guys came to mind from what they said, and had three different answers. So it's not one way. It's like wow, look how each guy gets your confidence back, and and so I wrote that you know I wrote all those notes down because I'm learning from them. It's like this is who we're learning from, you know. Uh, I asked Will Smith after we won the world series and, and our, our closer. And, uh, he, uh, he, he was, he was inconsistent a little bit, you know, during the season and he was lights out in the postseason season and I had Will Smith in, uh, in double, I managed him in double a, uh, with the angels in, in Arkansas. So, you know, we had a relationship there. I go, Will, man, I go, I just want to ask a question. I go, what was it? What turned it around for you? Cause you were lights out. I just want to know. And again, this is, this is a learning for me. I want to know what was it, you know, especially, you know, uh, you know, being, you know, into mental skills and, and performance psychology. I'm like, what is it? And he goes, Max, he goes, I got to a point where I had enough. I said, that's it. I've had enough. I went, wow. So wrote that down, you know, those are all things that that I keep for notes for me to help players. It's like, I'm learning from them. And you said on those, we learn from the players, what's going through the mind. What are they thinking? What do they feel? It's like, it's them. They're the ones who are doing it. So you're right. We learn from the players.
0: Bobby, I, <clears throat> I know you got a few minutes, a few minutes left. want to be respectful of your time. We had a, some people actually, because I told, I, I announced that you were coming on the podcast, um, send some questions in for you. And um, one of them was, was Albie's bat size and weight. And he's like, uh, I guess there was a, a big thing, you know, a big talk about a certain bat size that he was using throughout the season. Was there any talk about that? Like, is there a reason he uses the bat weight size and in length that he does? Yeah, it's a 34 and a
1: half inch. I believe it's 32 ounces or 32 and a half, whatever it is. It's 34 and a half. Uh, at times he's used a 35, but it's 34 and a half. Uh, he creates great leverage. Um, he's a small guy, but... He he just it's so much leverage he creates. And 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 he's since he's very handsy, he's very handsy that helps him control it. So the heavier the bat, the bigger the bat controls being a guy that's really, really handsy. Uh and and that's why he uses and, and I'll tell you what, man, uh, getting to that when my last years I played, I went to a 35-inch bat. I never used one before. And, and I had this one veteran player who played in the big leagues tell me, hey, man, use a bigger bat. I go, no way. And I tried. It. He used a 35-inch. I go, no way. So the last year last years I played, I went to a 35-inch bat, and I had the two best seasons of my career. I'm going, why didn't I do that earlier? It just controlled my swing. I was a handsy guy a little bit, controlled me, Had had good leverage. I felt like I had a lot more plate coverage so I can back off the plate more. I didn't have to worry about anything in. But it all depends on the player, too, like, in here, it's like this feels good because there's some a couple of famers use 33 inch, past 33 and a half that were power guys. And so that's, he uses a 34 and a half.
0: That's crazy just to, with his size, you know, using a 34 and a half, 35, 35. That's, I appreciate that insight though on yourself and talking about how handsy which it makes sense, the heavier the bat, you maybe the better the sequence that they're in. Next one was uh, Freddie. It seemed that there were some comments made about Freddie going back to, um, you know, hitting it to opposite field in batting practice, letting the ball travel. Did he get away from that? And is is that why um, he made an emphasis on getting back to it?
1: No, he didn't get away from that. He He's always done that. Freddie has not changed. I've known him for three years now. He has not changed. He hits his batting practice are probably boring people don't want to see it because all he does is hit nothing but line to the shortstop it's just one after another he doesn't pull it he doesn't hit in the air everything's to the shortstop and it's easy too it's not he doesn't try to it's like effortless they come off the bat easy and he does that in his cage work he doesn't pull anything in the cage and no he never got away from that when he when he starts slumping there's a couple of things he was losing his barrel a little bit and he knew it. He just couldn't get back. We did a couple of drills, you know, to help him get back to that, but he was a silver slugger. So, you know, this guy had a great, great year. And and again, his slumps don't get prolonged too much. He's, he's an incredible talent, but, uh, but no, he didn't get away from it.
0: How do you help a, a young hitter, maybe not necessarily in the, in the major leagues, but in the minor leagues, find their own routine, right? You talk about Freddie never pulling the ball, always hitting it oppo. How do you help someone find a, a routine like that that's going to work for them?
1: Well, again, it, it's individually based, and it's like, okay, especially when they're young. It's like I, I try to get them. If You don't want to take away their personality, and you don't want to take away what they do well. Like I said earlier, we we tend to overcoach it, and I'm at fault with that. I'm the first one to admit I've overcoached a lot. If you got back of Okay, what can he do? And let them kind of figure it out at times. And what can they do well? It's like, so that's why we got to get to know him. Like, what is it that he does well? And we don't. We want him to keep that. Right away, we start changing guys. Like, oh, he'll never hit the big leagues this way. Well, we don't know that. I mean, there's so many different types of swings and hitters. But the point is, is uh, what what you do is like. Okay, you let them figure out. Okay, what works for them. If, give them a couple of. of, of uh, of drills that can help them with their moves whatever it is that they're doing but without taking away what they do well and their personality uh so you've got to me i'm big on on routines i'm big on that but at the same time they have to know how to compete when when their routines aren't there what i mean by that there's gonna be rainouts. there's gonna be when we're on the road and show and go like oh my god if they have a routine that they do this all of a sudden and there's only one cage and you got Ten guys have to go before the game. You got to be quick, and it's like you—you got to know how to still go compete when your routine gets screwed up. So that's another thing. That's the mental part. That's where you got to, you know, know how to do that. But again, it's like you just try to see what works for them and give them a routine uh, that's that's not you know long and and it works for them that can help them out.
0: I love how you you continually uh, emphasize their own personality. I think that's you know you don't hear that a lot. You hear about you know individual this or that, but I I, I really like um, how you you keep referencing their own personality. Last question: um, What was what was the one thing one big takeaway that you know your first season in the major leagues, a lot of years in professional baseball? What's the one thing that you learned this past year in the major leagues that? Um, maybe you just, you haven't prior in all, in all 30 plus years in the minors. Uh,
1: there's two things. First of all, is they're all individuals and they're human beings. So they all have issues. They're all going to go through slumps. They need coaching. And that's the thing is that they do need coaching and coaching to me. It, and it involves a lot of things it's not just teaching them swings or moves but coaching is can be staying silent coaching can be just patting them on the back coaching can be telling them something uh it can be showing them something uh co- i mean there's so many ways to coach a guy but you got to know the guy that's the main thing is get to know the player so they're human beings man and they all need coaching they all do and they want it it's like hey man you know appreciate what you said or whatever it's and you got to have feel that's another thing that I told you about I wasn't ready five years ago. My experience now, you gotta have feel, you gotta have wisdom, you gotta have discernment to know when to say it and what to say. Because if you say it at the wrong time, even though it's right, it's not gonna work. And if it's at the right time, it's the wrong thing, it's not gonna work. So it's you gotta have wisdom. And the next thing uh that that I learned this year was game planning. The game planning is huge as a hitting coach, and I learned a lot. Again, I've been around, you know, Kevin Seitzer, been around uh, Jose Nachi and, and our front office uh, analytic department that, that gives us the information. I learned a lot in terms of the game planning, and that's what helped us in the postseason, especially in the World Series. I felt the way we game planned against Houston, we, it was, we went to another level, and, and people saw it. People were like, oh, wow, you guys were just spitting on that. You guys weren't chasing. You got, I mean, God, these are guys who have high chase rates uh, that they get chased on certain pitches. And we were zoning them up and spitting on that. It was because of the game planning and we learned a lot. So that that's where I learned If But something I learned a lot from was the game planning.
0: Awesome. Bobby, appreciate it so much, man. Uh, you, know, you know, a lot of coaches listening to this younger coaches, professional college, high school youth, um, you know, you didn't have to do this. You just got done it with a, a long, long season, 162 plus the playoffs and the World Series. You have a family, so I, I I personally appreciate it. I know everyone listening to this does. So, I, but thank you again for for coming on and, and um and sharing your wisdom.
1: Thank you, appreciate it. And I know it's all good. We're we're all learners, and you know, there's a I'll I'll leave it with this quote: Zig Ziglar. Again, I I love reading and I like researching, but Zig Ziglar said, "If you help enough people get what they want, you will eventually get what you want." Mm. And, I'm just here to to help out and help anyone else and get to where they want to be. Awesome. Thanks so much. You're welcome, Pat. Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode with Bobby Maggiannis. If you haven't, please make sure to go subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or or whatever your favorite listening platform is. Um, If if you're not, make sure to follow me on Twitter, at PJonesBaseball. And as always, if you have any questions about the podcast, recommending new guests, or just want to talk shop about hitting, send me an email, jonesbaseballtraining at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening, and I hope everyone has a great week.